everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where when we, we can start feeling our fingertips again, we'll be happy to let you know. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday morning at 10.30 a.m., right after Allison, right before Nachum's live lunch, coming to you again from the frigid home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful, beautiful Lower East Side. Shout out, by the way, to Shani Batsheva from last week who uh, made a comment, why does Nachum Siegel not want you to turn on the heat in the studio? Well, as I took responsibility last week on social media, it's me (laughs) who does not allow us to put on the heat in here. Um, And we're suffering for it right now, let's be honest. I have a blanket on me, I'm wearing a fleece, and the only thing I don't have on are mittens. But I'm this close to putting on mittens. And um, for those of you who know exactly what I'm talking about here, if you've ever had a dog, I'm like a healthy dog right now. My nose is so cold. Like the front of my nose is cold. So I know that at some point or another, Shaney's going to hear this and be like, so turn on the heat. It's not that simple. It's just not that simple. When you work in a soundproof studio where you can't open the windows if it gets too hot, you really think twice, three times, four times before turning on the heat at all. So we're going to we're gonna grin and bear it. And Danny's actually here behind the board. And Danny's going to take one for the team. So uh, we're all just going to deal. Right, Danny? Yep, Danny's nodding. He can't talk because his mouth is frozen shut. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your date to tune in. Boker Tov, by the way, to Avrami. He's around here somewhere. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. Follow us on Twitter. Nachum Siegelnet, all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach. Also, all one word, and you can follow Nachum as well. He is at at Tall Jewish Radio. If you have never heard that before, often I refer to him as Tall Jewish Radio, and that is who I'm referring to. A shout-out, by the way, to the Maimons in Seattle, Washington, who are celebrating a bar mitzvah, and actually B'nai mitzvah, this weekend. And I look forward to joining them, please God, in Seattle, because, because you know what? It's not cold enough here in New York. Let's be cold and rainy over there in Seattle. I'm actually looking forward because I really... Enjoy going to Seattle. It's a beautiful community. It's an, it's also a good place to run. Today, by the way, the 15th, it's Humanitarian Day because evidently it's Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. So it is National Humanitarian Day. It's also Get to Know Your Customers Day. Well, it's almost like Get to Know Your Neighbors Day kind of a thing if Mr. Rogers was still around. Um, tomorrow, by the way, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm enjoying this a little bit. Tomorrow's Religious Freedom Day. So a little bit ha, <laughs> as, um, I don't know, there's a little bit too much irony in the world right now to be celebrating Religious Freedom Day. But Danny, do me a favor, put your mic on for a second. I was joking with somebody the other day with whom I was having uh, a meeting that I've never actually wanted to go to Paris. Good morning, Danny, by the way. Good morning. No, I've never wanted to go to Paris before in my life. I don't know, it you know, never spoke to me. It just I, I really want to go see Mount Rushmore. I don't feel the need to go see Paris. But now I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry that somebody that 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 there's a feeling that Jews don't belong there or somewhere else on the planet that Jews don't belong that I just want to go. And I'm not sure that that's a normal reaction. I'm sure I'm going to get emails in response to this, but I I I feel like at this point you can't tell me that there's some place on this planet a Jew doesn't belong. And so if you tell me I shouldn't belong there, I dafka want to go. Not because I'm being a dafkanik, but just because Sorry, it's 2015. Like, it's 2015. It's time for everybody to get a grip. So, yeah, Religious Freedom Day, you bet. Let's celebrate our religious freedom. Danny, I'm going to plan a show from Paris, and we're all going to have a road trip. Let's do a fortune cookie. Let's do a fortune cookie. You know what that crinkle means? 
Let's see, Danny. Maybe it'll be something about Paris in this fortune cookie. And if there isn't, don't worry. I took two others from the box as well. Here we go. The ultimate test of a relationship is to d disagree but to hold hands. Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> a lot of irony. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a show filled with irony, Danny. The ultimate test of a relationship is to disagree but to hold hands. Okay. You feeling another fortune cookie, by the way? I'm, yeah, I know. Yeah. And Danny's like, can you pick something else, please? Anything else but that? Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. I'm going to pick this, and then we're going to quickly get going to our guest. All right, here we go. Here we go. A good book is the best of friends, the same today and forever. You like this one. You know why you like this one? Because you didn't like the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. And to understand more about that, you actually have to work here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You've been listening. You are listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network, and we are ready to introduce our guest. Welcoming back to the program is Joseph Gittler. He's the chairman and founder of Leket Israel, the national food bank in Israel. You can always find them at leket.org. And actually, if you go to the leket.org uh, page, and the only reason I sound like I'm smiling is because I am, at the bottom of the page, what pops up is run for Leket Israel in the Tel Aviv and Jerusalem marathons. And as a person who is running a half marathon in a couple, in oh gosh, a couple of days, in about 10 days, I'm looking at this running, I'm going, yeah, I may have to sit this one out. But I welcome him to the show. Good morning, Joseph. Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I do feel like I'm also, as you said, always on, and so I thank you. I cannot even count, I think, on two hands how many opportunities <laughs> you've given me to be on your show. So thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. How's your running going? Uh, does it say Joseph Gittler's <laughs> running for <like> it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, a couple years ago, we were at, Nahum and I were broadcasting from the Jerusalem Marathon, and all I keep on saying every time I, the Jerusalem Marathon comes up is, why would anyone run up Jabotinsky? That is not, <laughs> that's not normal. It should, you should right? be going down. Right. right, someone should have, uh, who wrote that, you know, who came up with the route yeah. for the marathon? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. The I'm not, uh, I will run for Leckett at some point. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it this year. I notice now in my schedule that I'm actually coming back at four in the morning, uh, the morning of the Tel Aviv marathon. Oh. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something for Jerusalem. I've run a lot of 10Ks or six miles for those uh, right. listening outside <laughs> of Israel. And, um... You know, but I, I don't love running, and I'm amazed at the people who do, and I <laughs> wish them the best of luck. And I'm really, uh, I'm really thankful for those who are not just running and keeping themselves in good shape, but are doing it for a good cause. And it's certainly a popular thing to be doing, whether for Leckett or for other charities. So we welcome those who join us yeah, as runners this year. It is amazing the wear and tear that the running takes on the body, and yet still I put my sneakers on every single morning and and here I am. But anyway, that is just one of the ways that people can support Leket and can become involved if they're not involved already or they're unaware of things that Leket are is doing. Um, that is one way that they can contribute. So there's there's the gleaning, which is very popular and obviously a destination activity for many people when they come to Israel. But in addition, there is the, you know, taking your um, taking your hobby or taking something that you love, taking that being physical opportunity and doing it for Leket as well. But what was interesting to me is that the 2014 Leket Israel report, annual report, had just come out. And um, that exactly is the reason that I invited you, Joseph, to join me on the air this morning, because the amount of information that I learned in this report and in the video 
that I thought I already knew about Leckett, but clearly I didn't. Even after the dinner this year, I I just stared at the screen. I have to be honest with you. I just stared at the screen. I looked at these numbers. I'm like, it can't be. It can't be that Leckett provided over 12,000 tons of food to the needy. I'm not talking I'm not talking pounds because pounds pounds people are the number next to that 12,000. It's 28 million pounds of food. That's insane. Yeah. I'm looking at these numbers and I'm just staring. Big numbers, I agree. It's a lot of responsibility, <laughs> especially cuz we want to do more every year. So, you know, we're we're as we say in our staff, it's like last year is you're, we're talking about last year now, but last year's over. And so we're, we're, you know, we're looking forward to see how we can make that 28.35 and that 35.50. And as far as we are able to take this engine, we're going to try because I'll share some numbers with you during the conversation, but that, um, that number is big. But when I tell you the amounts we're coming to for what's available, it's, I was shocked yesterday when we had a staff meeting discussing that. And I've been at this for a long time already. So the amount of food we're providing is staggering. I agree with you. And it's good, high-quality, healthy food, which is an added bonus. It's right. not junk. Right. Uh, it's fruits and vegetables. It's dairy product. It's cooked food. But what is still being wasted, what we haven't gotten to, in fact, the numbers that we're hearing now, we didn't even think that they were this big hmm. in Israel. So... <laughs> So I guess there are two you know. sides of this that are really staggering. Number one, that there is still so much waste uh, in terms of food, both personally on, on people's home levels and obviously on, on a grander scale, which is where you accumulate food from. But more than that, that the need is still there. So there are really two sides of this coin. You're not concerned that even if you collect all of the food out there, that you're not going to have anybody to give it to. You know there are still families you're not me- you're not reaching. Uh, 100%. You know, we don't know exactly what the need is in Israel. There's also the types of statistics, and we've discussed that before, that come out about the percentages of Israelis living below the poverty line. And whatever that number is, it's a big number, whether it's a million Israelis or two million Israelis. Today, Leket helps partially 140,000 Israelis a week, which is a tremendous accomplishment. But we're not even providing close to all the food needs of those 140,000 and there's many, many other people in need. So you are correct, and I agree with you when we say that there, as even if like it would double or triple in size, we still wouldn't be uh. close to fin- fixing the issue and fixing the problem. So we, as an organization, we pay less attention to the side of poverty when we're thinking about our planning, because we know that our goal is to do as much as we can. We're not going to solve the problem. Wow. That is that is truly eye-opening. There's a lot of conversation, obviously, within the last week and even the last couple of days of, of heightened immigration, heightened aliyah coming to Israel from Europe and obviously specifically from France. And I wonder how many of the people that are served by Leket are immigrants, whether it's first generation or second generation. Are the, are the poor in Israel whose, whose needs you are meeting and, and striving to meet, are they, are they families that have been there since the, since the birth of the state? Or are there people who are coming from other places in search of that better life but haven't been able to, to find that grounding yet? That's a good question, one I haven't been asked before. Hey! Um, I would... All right! Oh, you yeah. get a, 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 <laughs> extra credit. N- talk to Nacho about a race. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, 
You know, I, I would say as follows. I, I think that there is definitely an old-time community in Israel where, unfortunately, poverty has passed generation to generation, and, and that's certainly a goal of Leket and many other organizations in the field to try to break that cycle where people don't even can't even imagine themselves getting out of poverty. There's definitely an element of that in some of the people that we serve. And in a way, you know, you, don't, you almost don't want to serve those people because you want to force them to try to change their lives, if possible. But without a doubt, a big piece of what we do is working with certain immigrant groups who've struggled since they came to Israel. You know, the Ethiopian community comes to, comes to a light. Certainly, uh, there's a lot of service that goes out, goes to the ultra-Orthodox community in Israel, uh, many of whom come, you know, come from overseas, although I would say that the, the people more in need in the ultra-Orthodox community are, are native Israelis, less so you know, those who've come and moved from Western countries around the world, where sometimes they come with resources. But immigrant groups are a challenge, uh, without a doubt. Um, I don't expect some of these new immigrants that will be coming, um, while there is need in those communities. In fact, I met with a woman two weeks ago who helps specific families in Israel that turn to her and her group of friends, and they're all French, and they're getting most of their money from French Jews in Israel, and most of their cases are actually French Jews living in Israel who are struggling, which again is not a community that you think now. It's right. a much smaller percentage than in the Ethiopian community, but in all communities, whether it be the American community that comes to Israel, Canadian, South African, there is need in all those communities. Hey, listen, as a person who lives in the five towns, I can tell you that there are plenty of families in need in the five towns. And while I am sure that that shocks some of my listeners, because everyone has an assumption about some about you know families in the five towns, I can tell you firsthand that that assumption is completely incorrect. You just can't make general assumptions about communities and think you know them. So, well, uh, yeah. Yes, we have the same, sorry to cut you off, we have no, the same thing. I, I live in Ranana, right. which is an upscale community, but it's an old city. It's 90 mm-hmm. years old. You have all different types of people here. And so when we tell people that we also serve people in Ranana, you always get that smirky look. <laughs> Come on, everyone's rich in Ranana, but... Uh. That's, that's not the case. It, right. it is a well-off community generally, but like in many well-off communities, wherever they be, and certainly the five towns, Manhattan, there's plenty of need. I sure. mean, we all know the work of, 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 of Tom Chay Chavez sure. and the Met Council and other right. organizations in New York, Dorot, who work tirelessly to, to help. They're, they're helping someone. They're not doing it for their own health. So hmm. there is need out there, unfortunately. Absolutely. And... Uh, there's great demand for our services. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Leckett was, was successful in recruiting 55,000 volunteers in 2014 to help out with its food and rescue activities. And that took the form of making sandwiches, of picking, of gleaning. I mean, what are the, wh- how does that run the gamut in terms of the volunteer activities? Okay, so the majority of those volunteers are people who came to pick in the fields for a couple of hours, and that's our most popular activity and part of the reason is that it's it's a place where we can handle hundreds and hundreds of volunteers every day so that's certainly a uh, a very popular uh, concept and something that your listeners are welcome to join us at when they come to Israel uh, most of our other activities that are for volunteers are um, are generally more suited for people who are living in Israel because they're typically things that happen 
daily that volunteers come either once a week or once every two weeks, mm-hmm. and that's picking up fruit from events at night, and that's making sandwiches, making deliveries, working in our warehouse. Although working in our warehouse is also something that we get now a fair bit of volunteers. We've put in a number of um, uh, fruit and vegetable lines for packaging, repackaging from very large crates to smaller crates, which makes it much easier for the agencies. I mean, in the, in the early days of Leckett, the agencies we were serving would come to our warehouse and they would have to help repackage yeah. the fruits and vegetables they were taking into smaller containers. Now we have volunteers who do that, and so it means that when our trucks go out in the morning, everything is labeled for specific agency. You know, it's ready on its pallets, ready to go out, and it's made our work much more efficient. But we need all the volunteer help. Right. Uh, we can get, that's for sure. You know, when I speak to different organizations, different chassid organizations in Jerusalem, they all talk about how much they benefit from the seminaries, from the girls who are there overseas who are taking their gap year abroad, and how they are part of those um, seminaries and the girls doing their chassid activities or the chassid hours through or with those organizations and how much they depend on those teens from from the different seminaries in in order to make them run, in order to make them successful. I imagine, though, because your headquarters are in Renana, you don't have that opportunity. So we don't. That's, that's also an interesting comment. We 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 know of this phenomenon, and we do reach out. Usually in the beginning of the year, we do reach out to many of the girls and boys schools and offer them generally to come pick in the fields because that's what works best and a lot of them do come never all uh never enough but we do get a fair bit of them and it's always interesting to see a lot of them come and they say i've what's nice to see after so many years of activity is sometimes you recognize the faces already or even more so sometimes people will say and i'm not always in the field i don't want people to get the wrong idea that i'm meeting every single group who comes <laughs> right. although i sometimes people think that but um but, you know, you'll get someone who will come, and, you know, if I'm there and I'll speak to the group, and I'll say, has anyone ever been here before? You know, and this one will say, well, I was there on my B'nai Akiva summer tour, yes. and this one says, I celebrated my bar mitzvah with you, don't you remember? Uh- <laughs> and, and it's really a nice, you know, uh, it's a nice feeling to see that people are coming back, sometimes by choice, sometimes they don't really have a choice if their whole school's going. Right. But it's a very enjoy. it's an easy, let's always remember, it's a pretty easy sell because it's, Working in the fields, it's something people don't get to do normally, and um, you know you're not seeing the the you're not seeing the hardship hmm. when you're picking in a field. You're not seeing the hardship that Lekka deals with, and that's why I always give credit in every speech that I give to the 180 charities. Maybe it's 190 actually right now. Charities who we serve in Israel, who really they're doing the hard work. They're dealing with the battered woman, and they're dealing with the homeless. Hmm and they're dealing with the Holocaust survivor, and they're dealing with the youth at risk. Mm. And Leck, it's wonderful, but we're, we're FedEx. And wow. we do great service to help our client base, no doubt, providing them with healthy, nutritious food free of charge. But, you know, we don't deal with part of the reason for our success, I think, as an organization, is, is the single-minded focus on serving these organizations, but not actually serving the people they serve who take up all their, sap their energy. Hmm. Dealing with dealing with wow. the tragedies of life. Right, right, right. That's a great. That's a great point. Yeah, it is. It is an easy sell. I definitely understand what you're talking about. Um, 
and that unique opportunity, that opportunity to be able to pick. You know, that that obviously brings up the Shemitah issue. I mean, picking is not the problem. It's a problem of what you do next year. Are you concerned that 2015 is going to be harder than 2014 for that reason? Uh, that's a great, that's also a very interesting issue going on right now. So, look, Shemitah, uh, in general, in the state of Israel, most farmers still keep what's called the Heter Mechira, which I'll explain to those listeners who don't know what that means. Similar to selling your chametz, your leavened bread before Passover, that people do. So since the founding of the state, there's been a similar concept of selling land of the state of Israel to a non-Jew, and then it's not owned by Jews, so farming is business as usual. And that continues to this day to be what is primarily done. I don't know if it's 85%, 90%, 95% of the farmers who keep that, and therefore for Leket, there's absolutely no change in what we do. Okay? Each Shemitah cycle, remember it's only every seven years, right. so this is only our second Shemitah, but each Shemitah cycle, more and more farmers are keeping the Shemitah. Part of the reason is that there actually has been a lot of fundraising to give donations to farmers so that they'll keep the Shemitah. So wow. it's not exactly how Shemitah was um, imagined in the Bible, but I think that's just a smart way right. of... You know, right. of doing it. It's and great. that's okay, but it's still a very small amount. The biggest impact for Leket specifically with Shemitah, there are two impacts. So number one, one of our main volunteer fields, the one in Rehovot, is a Shemitah field. So by the end of middle of March, end of March, we will be done there. Wow. And we'll be done there till November, end of November, really depends how things grow. You know, we'll be, we'll be growing there uh, the type of crops that will grow as quickly as possible, but they still have to grow. It's not a hothouse, Got it. you know, where things can go very quickly. So that will be an impact, and we're, we're looking at what we can do, and we're going to try to find other farms that are acceptable to volunteers and close enough to Jerusalem, which is where most of our volu- overseas volunteer groups come from. But that's we actually have a meeting about that on Monday to discuss what, what we're going to be doing. But again, that's, that's not, it's not waste. It's, it's Shemitah. It's a beautiful right. concept. It it's is. One, you know, it's a beautiful concept in the Bible and the Torah, and, and whatever will be, will be. The bigger issue for us in Shemitah is actually organizations uh, who will not take crops uh, grown using this leniency. Uh, I mean, breaking um, my heart, Joseph. Breaking I, I, you know, I'm going to try to behave myself uh, now. Don't feel um, free to let go. Feel, <laughs> feel free. To, <laughs> no, I, listen, I think, listen, I have to, it's, it's, you know what? You got to respect. You got to respect. Yeah. I'm of two minds. And I think this is, you know, this is part of also growing up and being more respectful Um, And, you know, I'm a religious Jew, um, but being more, you know, being, uh, getting an understanding uh, of the situation. And, you know, so on the one hand, it it does concern me because if people are hungry, um, they should use, you know, halacha to help those in need. And this is a perfect example of something which has been accepted by the rabbinate of Israel as a solution to Shemitah in Israel. That's on the one hand, okay, and helping Jewish farmers and helping them survive. But on the other hand, it also tells me that, thank God, the poverty that we're dealing with in Israel is not, you know, of a level where, you know, you could eat pig. Hmm. You know, there are, there, if you're starving to death, and people have heard me say this before, um, you know, if you're starving to death, halacha is very clear. You eat whatever. Right, right. There is right. nothing you're not right. allowed to eat <laughs> if you're starving to death. Nothing. Okay, so all those, 
all those things that you wanted to try, that's your opportunity, <laughs> okay? You know, I always thought we, we have a friend in Ranana who grew up in Nova Scotia. And so he always says, you know, what if I found out today I wasn't Jewish? What would I do? Scallops. Said, I'd eat scallops, said, no, Joseph. I'm gonna try, I'll try a lobster, and then I'll let you know. Okay? <laughs> he grew up with that. Like, everyone, that's all they do right? there is eat lobster, but he never got to try one. Okay? So this is certainly the first time I've discussed lobster on the radio. But, <laughs> I've discussed but, um, lobster before. <laughs> but, you know, it is, thank God, it does put you in the frame of mind that we are living in a Western country. No one is starving to death. Yeah. Okay? I think it's the wrong decision personally, but I'll respect it. But, what, but, but think about what it means. It means that this year, those organizations are not getting fruits and vegetables from Lekka. Mm. I think it's a very difficult decision to be making for others. Right. And I've discussed mm. this before, and I'm sure there are going to be some listeners who are going to hear this and will, will be irate, and other listeners who are going to say, this is, you know, this is, a, 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 this is halakha, and these people are living a halakhic lifestyle. So, yeah, you know, I, that's where I've come to. I've come to a a place of karma, whatever the word is, <laughs> yin yang. Right. In this, uh, wow. You know, in this particular issue, and this is not the first time this has reared its head. You know, from you know wanting what's called mahadrin. You know, let's say a higher level of kashrut food, and what we may not have that. Shouldn't people get yogurts even if they're not mahadrin but they're kosher? But people are very. I have to say, one thing I respect is the consistency. Well, good. Thank God. Very con- it's, 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 they're very, this is, has been a very consistent theme over the years. Whether I agree with it or not, you know, that's a separate issue, but I will respect it. And uh, like it as an organization respects it. But what it does mean sometimes is other organizations get more or we add other organizations. And then next year comes along and we've moved on. Right. Wow. You know, and I, I don't like that either, but I've got to give out my food. And if I create a good relationship with another organization doing good work, then that's what, you know, that's reality. Then as we say, that's life, right? That's life. That's life. Joseph Gittler, I, I, I can't thank you enough. This was a phenomenal, I mean, yes, you've, you've been on with me before, and that's great, but this was an unbelievable conversation. 2015 should be even more successful for Leckett than even 2014 was, and I look forward to the continued success and the annual report 2015. You can give people, if you're here in New York and you're not making a trip over Yeshiva break and you're not going anytime soon and you don't feel like running uphill on Jabotinsky, go to leckett.org. Please give what you can. I'm telling you, I've seen it in action. It's really quite incredible. And uh, Joseph, I thank you for joining me. Continued Hatzlacha. Always my pleasure to be on. Thank you very much. You've got it. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We are we are quickly running out of time. Wow, that was a great conference. I see you. I see you, Danny. He's letting me know how much time I have left. Uh, that was an unbelievable conversation. I love having him on. He's really a phenomenal guest. Anyway, in just a couple of minutes, Nachum will host a live lunch that goes from 11 to 1. The stunt show hosted today by Mayor Furtick. Throwback Thursday, 2 p.m. It's the Nagino Orchestra live at JM in the AM from January 2000. Three. Yep, you heard me, 2003. Michael Fragan and Spin Class, brand new tonight, 6 p.m. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM and the AM live here on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, JMNAM.org. Tomorrow morning, we present an encore presentation of Naomi and Table for Two. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel this Saturday night from uh, 10 p.m. on. And Sunday morning, JM Sunday with Matis from 7 to 9 in the morning, Eastern Time. I'm closing today, folks, with my own TBT moment, my own Throwback Thursday moment. And it was inspired 
by being backstage and a little bit starstruck at the Haas concert the other day with the great A.B. Rottenberg. As I was standing backstage with him and the three of us were talking, that would be me, Nachum, and A.B. were talking, and I went through this whole, I used to listen to DeVakis when I was a kid, and yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm very rarely starstruck, folks, but this was one of those moments that I really was. Anyway, one of my earliest memories of Jewish music is listening to Hodu on DeVakis 2. So here we go. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Oh,